All right, so every week we ask you some accountability questions in your growth and your walk with God, but today I'm going to ask something a little different and uh, let you know I'm very excited about what God's doing in our church, and so I'm going to take a couple minutes um, to talk with you about that, okay? So how many of you received an email from me through the office this week about a new ministry opportunity at Gospel Rescue Mission? I want you to raise your hand and keep them up for a minute. Okay, so we, we're actually doing worse in this service than the other two, and there was like maybe 50%. So here's what I want you to know. You can put your hands down. You need to check your spam folder and see if we're there, because I might be in there, and you need to get me out, and you need to see what I'm saying, okay? Because the message we emailed to you is very important, and it's critical, and you need to see it, because it's something you need to be praying about and asking God about. The second thing is, is if we're not in your spam, you probably didn't ask us to send you the emails in the first place. So you need to get in your little email message. I don't care what you do. Office at CFFTucson.com and request to be placed on that. You should already have our app on your phone. And if not, get it. We have a new one and you'll get notifications. Now, I'm not, that's not a reprimand. It's a call because church, I want to communicate with you more than here. And sometimes I have to talk too much about this stuff. And then you stay late and think I preach long. It's not, it's your fault. Okay. So (laughs) if you would get the emails, I wouldn't have to do this. Okay. So I want, uh, anyway, you got to blame somebody for everything, right? Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, God is so good, and He is moving, and I don't know if you've heard me, but the last two weeks I've been saying God's up to something, He's moving, I'm saying it again today, God's up to something, He's moving. The Spirit of God is moving, and He's opened incredible doors for us, and we want to be on the front side of that. I want to be on God's wave. I don't know about you, but I don't want to read about it anymore. I've read it in history, I've read it in the Bible, I've read about things that God has done. I want to be in that I want to be on the front edge of that. I want God to use me in it. I want to be part of it. I don't want to hear about it, read about it, or someone else tell me about it. I want to be right there in the middle of it. And so God, I want you to use me. I want you to use us. Put us on the front of the wave. I was talking to the church in the last service. I'm like, look, you know how your dog sticks its head out the window and the wind's blasting them and they have everything? I want that. That's what I want with God. I want to be just riding that wave of God's presence and power, just like blowing my ears back. Like, yeah, God, let's do this thing, okay? So the the thing that's happening is it's something we've prayed about since we heard the Gospel Rescue Mission was taking over the Holodome on Palo Verde, and they're redoing it, and now they've moved into that, and we have been asking God that we would be able to uh, have our, our service live stream there. So this is what's happening We've been going down there. Some of us are volunteers, uh, different things. I'm with Pastor Juan uh, at different times. And then this Sunday, uh, this week, I mean, my wife and I were down uh, meeting with him again about some things that God's doing and what he wants us to do. First off, when we got the vans and began to transport you all from the mission to the service, we're blessed. You guys have blessed us. I want you to know, you know, you guys have blessed us. We've watched you grow and you've grown us. It's been an amazing relationship that God himself has ordained and called us. There's no doubt about that. So the cool thing that's happening right now is that we are now preparing and planning it. And you can be part of that team to begin to live simulcast our service live stream down there at 11 into their chapel. So this is why and this is what's happening. When someone comes into the program, they can't leave the campus for 30 days. So they have to stay on 
campus and not be able to go, even though we're picking people up that are in past that point and we're bringing you all here. So what we're going to do is we're going to send a team of hospitality of five people every Sunday that once we start it, and it can be different people. We want a team of 20, and I've already had 12 people sign up already, and we need more. Yeah, it's awesome. Just already responding. So you're going to go down to the mission at 1030. You'll be in the doors. There's a lobby area where people hang out and you'll be a greeter. You'll wear a CFF shirt, a prayer partner tag, and you're going to go to them and welcome them. See how they're doing. Ask if you can pray for them and then invite them into the service in the chapel. So you're going to hang out with them for a half hour and then invite them to come into the service, go into the chapel, and we're going to greet you at 11 o'clock with live streaming. We have one tech person there working on that side of it so that we can become part of the community on campus as well as here. So it's going to be an extension of who we are in that place. What's going to happen from then, then we want to build that relationship from the very beginning with them so that those people will come here and those of you that are volunteering at the mission will also be part of the hospitality team here so that when they come, they're not walking in as strangers, but they know you, they know us, and this is the place that they want to come and be a part of God's family. And so I am so excited about what that's going to be like. And I want you to know right now that we need to begin praying that God would provide a bus for us because the vans aren't going to service us as we go along in this relationship and stuff. And there's other things that we can do. There's other opportunities for us to be able to do this very same thing in other facilities. And so I look at it like God is opening doors for us because we are asking that we would see Tucson redeemed. And God is saying, I want Tucson redeemed and I want to use you. So incredible opportunities are there. I want you to be a part of it. God wants you to be a part of it. If you have not been on campus yet, uh, we invite you to go down and call and make an appointment to visit the Gospel Rescue Mission and just look at what God's doing. It's amazing. I'm so blessed every time I go in there. I'm so thrilled for you guys and ladies and what God is providing for you. I love that it's first class. You deserve it. And I think it's amazing. I I love it. It's so good. So you know that's happening. Here's what else is happening. Uh, We have a prayer ride scheduled for September 21st. Those of you at the mission, we would love for you to be able to get a pass to come and join us. It's a Saturday, September 21st. We are going to meet here at 8 o'clock in the morning. We're going to ride up through Dove Mountain where we'll have a place that we're going to pray over that community. Go on up to Eloy and pray over that community. We're asking God to begin a work in those two communities and we want to be a part of it and so this prayer ride is the beginning of an initial launch of what God is doing because we want God to stamp all over Arizona the spirit of God moving and so if you know anything about our community you know Dove Mountain is a wealthy community Eloy is not and we are going to both of those places because God loves the rich and the poor he died to save them both so we want to be a part of that. If you want to be a part of it, we'll be here at 8 o'clock. Kickstands up. KSU. Whenever you see any of our stuff, that means kickstands up. And that's the time, 8.30. If you get here at 8.31, you'll see our taillights going down the road. We're leaving. All right? So we want you to be a part of that. But we want you to understand it's about praying and asking for a move of God. Okay, the very next day, which is September 22nd, in the morning service, we're going to do a baptism. If you want to be baptized, sign up online to be baptized. We'll talk with you and set that up. That very night, September 22nd, we have something brand new we're launching, and we're launching it here. Those of you at the mission, I don't know if you can do this, but we want you to. And I don't know, we'll talk to your 
people that are in charge there. But God has invited us and asked us to embrace him with a service in the evening at six o'clock. And we're going to do this bi-monthly at the start. And it's called One Church. God definitely spoke that into my heart just a few weeks ago when I was praying and meeting with him and some other people. God just like, we've been talking about that. I've talked with Kim, Justin, and the worship team about having a worship night. So here's the plan. On September 22nd at 6 p.m., we'll be here in the worship service, and we're inviting all three services and anyone else that wants to come and join us as one church, worshiping our amazing God, and it's going to be all about worship. It's not going to be the, the Sunday morning church. I'm not planning to preach. You hear what I just said? We are coming to love God, worship God, and be the body of Christ together. So that's what's going to happen on September 22nd, okay? Amen. And the 28th, we have a bug splat ride, and October 13th is the blessing 14. Your shirts are on sale now. New classes this Tuesday at 645, Growing in Christ, Spirit-filled uh, follower of Christ. We have a ladies' Bible study in the morning and the evening, life recovery that happens on Tuesdays. There's a lot happening. We're going to start a new home group. I'm excited about what God's doing. You ready? All right. Last announcement. This young couple in the front of our, uh, our church here. Would you guys stand up? You turn around and face these guys. We were blessed and honored. Yeah. Eric and Rainbow. And yes, that's her name. I, the first time she was here and I wrote her, her name was Dawn. There's a few names. She's got a lot of names. And so I wrote her Dawn. She, she wrote me back and said, my name really is Rainbow. I said, yes, ma'am. Uh, so <laughs> so we, were, we were very blessed to be able to go to the Gospel Rescue Mission with many of you this past Wednesday morning and uh, see this young couple who's made their commitment to Christ, seen him transform who they are and bring them together in marriage on last Wednesday. And so they are newlyweds this weekend. Yeah. yeah. This weekend, they are on their, uh, they got a weekend pass for their honeymoon, and they, uh, they made a plan to make sure they didn't miss church, and that's pretty phenomenal. And uh, we love you guys. We want you to know that. We're proud of you. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. God bless you guys. So cool, isn't it? So, so awesome. We love you guys. He is so good, isn't he? He's amazing. See, God's doing stuff. And I'm humbled to, to be a part of what he's doing. And I'm going to share with you what God's laid on my heart today. And uh, I'm going to attempt to keep it together the whole time. I don't know if that'll work or not. But I'm like so like humbled. Um, you guys, I don't know in the team. There's a team of people that pick the songs for our worship services. And every Sunday I'm blessed in our worship. I am. And as I was singing the songs today that they sang, I didn't even know what, I can look them up. I don't know what we're singing until I get here. They don't know what I'm preaching until I get here. And it's like God just marries that together so beautifully. And when I was looking at that, those songs we were singing about our identity, God's love for us, who he is, uh, our own, the lies that we've been told about our identity and what he says about us. And I'm like, God, you're so incredible how you work in so many ways to, to just bring us to this place where he wants us. I want you to know today, whoever you are, that God has given me a word to speak over your life. 
that is a prophetic word of redemption, restoration, and a new beginning. This incredible word that God has given to me is from his scripture. He has proven himself to us. And he's about to do something crazy in your life. Man, you've done the craziness in the past and it's jacked you up something terrible. But today God wants to do something that's going to jack you up something amazing. And when you open yourself up to him and you say yes to him, there is no stopping what God can do through you. As I look in the Word of God, and I read with you just a few weeks ago from Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame in Faith. And it's because it just goes on talking about these amazing people who did incredible stuff when they believed in God. Church, I want to share with you some things that are so amazing that as I look and listen to what God says, it just blows my mind because when you go down the list, I want you to understand that these are individual people that God used to do incredible stuff when they believed Him. They stood against empires and nations. They stood singly alone and proclaim God's word against an entire culture and nation that opposed the message. They believed when science and doctors said no, and God did what He said He'd do. They stood in opposition, and some of them died because of it. They stood and proclaimed God's truth, and nations were born, and nations died. The world was impacted because individuals got a message from God, believed that message, stood in the message of God, believing that God would do it, and God did it. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it not only tells us those who did these things, but it tells us there were many, many more that we can't even have time to tell you about that changed the world because they believed in God. And the list of people in Scripture talks about Abel and Noah and Moses and Jacob and Esau and all these people that are mentioned in Scriptures. And we look back on them and we see the impact that they have made on the earth and in the work of God and what He's doing. Some in opposition of God, some standing with God. And as we look at those, we find that they are individuals, just like me and you. But we see them differently because we read about them in the Bible, we look at them and we think, who am I when I read about Samuel or David or Gideon, Samson, and all these like heroes of the Bible in faith. And we read their stories and we watch what God's doing. And in the midst of it all, I begin to see who they are. Then I reflect back over the New Testament and I see the apostles, the miracles, and the things that were happening. I see Paul. I see modern day heroes of the faith like Billy Graham and his son Franklin who's doing an amazing job following in his father's footsteps. I hear about people like Rick Warren, pastor in Saddleback Church and Bill Hybels up in Chicago, Kevin Myers down there in, in Atlanta, Georgia and others that are like heroes of the faith that are just standing strong and tall for God and God's doing amazing things. And then I look at myself and we look at ourselves I'm including you in on this. And I think, who am I? What can I do? 
when I look at myself and I see all the things that they have accomplished and what God was able to do through them and what I see in myself as I see my brokenness. I see where I've screwed up, where I wasn't when I should have been. I see that in the mirror as it reflects back. I hear it when God speaks to me in messages and song. When He calls to me and He's saying, come on, trust me. And I struggle to believe Him. I see myself and I feel like I don't matter and I can't do it. And who can I ever impact or what can I do that will ever measure up or be anything that matters and has value to God? And church, when I see that (laughs) and I look in the Word of God, I find myself making excuses for myself and the reason that I can't. Every reason in the world why God shouldn't, couldn't, and wouldn't use me. I have every one of them. And when I I even think about doing something for the kingdom of God or the greatness of God, I am regularly reminded of my inability, my nothingness, And when we view ourselves in the light of us, it is difficult to even think. Here, when I share with you that I believe that God wants to redeem Tucson and that God wants to have a move here where people are repenting and coming to Christ. And I struggle to share that with you because I'm thinking like there's a million people in Pima County, 600,000 here in Tucson. When I did the demographic study, when I moved here from Michigan many years ago, and I did the numbers, I was like, God, when I see this, that if 25% at that time, which the population was less than it is now, if 25% of the people in Tucson came to church, every registered church in Tucson could not handle 25% of the people. And I'm praying, God, we need a move of God to happen. We want Tucson redeemed. And here we are in the church, and we couldn't handle it if they were. And then inside the churches, we're worried about who's going to what church. God's died to redeem this city, and we struggle to believe that it can happen. And yet I look in the Word of God, and I see where one person said, I believe. And God did. I want to read you some personal scripture that is personal for all of us. But these are verses that God impacted my life and challenged me and called me into ministry with. And they are very dear to me. And I share them with you because they are going to become dear to you. Because I believe today these verses are for many, many people in this room. And if you will accept them and own them, God's going to do something amazing. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Check out what God's saying here. This is God speaking. He said, I want you to know I'm going to make fools of those who think they're smart in the world. 
Look at all the brilliance that is out there in our culture that denies God. They're trying to fabricate stories and numbers and ideas to prove our existence and why we're here while denying God. And the more they try and explain, the more stupid they sound. Come on, let's be real. If you believe that stuff, I'm sorry, there's a better way. I just want you to know my God is bigger than that. And what he tells us right here is, I'm making fools of them why they think they're so smart. Here, it's God's word. Listen, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. We evolved. We're just happening. We're morphing. We're just becoming. It's like, seriously, man, take a moment to look into the amazingness of creation. One thing. Look at one thing. How can a, a tree come from a nut? Come on. Come on. I'm serious. You take a nut, stick it in the ground, and a tree grows that produces tons of nuts. I know it is. I didn't want to use your name, but I was thinking about you. Church, as we think about this, this incredibleness, it's like, how can this just be? We're discovering new creatures in the ocean. We're still discovering them. Like, what is this? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you how it got here. Like, seriously? How stupid are you? The Hubble telescope's out there looking, and the galaxy is still recreating itself. Stars are being born every day. You know what the Word of God tells us? God knows their name because He named them. He made them. Our God is the creator of all things, and we are still learning and discovering what He has done. And the intelligent people of this world are trying to put it into their little brains and explain to us how it came about. And when they run out of the intelligence and they can't tell you, they just start adding numbers and zeros on the end of it. Because when it doesn't make sense that it couldn't take place in 10 billion, oh, I'm sorry, we're, it's 10 trillion. Wait a minute, it's not that, it's 10 quadzillion. Whatever we got to say to say this happened, I'm going to say that so that you think I'm smart and we can believe it. You're stupid. Come on. God made it. We should know better, church. The creator of the universe wants a relationship with us. The creator of the universe says, believe me and I can change the world. Wow. Really? So he's not really struggling over Dave thinking, can we really do something with you, son? God's like, I think I'm going to make some uh, 10,000 stars in just this moment. You know, pff, there they are. You really want to believe me? I mean, look at what the Word of God says. So where does this leave the philosophers, scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom. Isn't that awesome? You're not going to smart your way into God. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. There I am. God's I, I'm going to use people like you. And I'm just going to let you talk to them. And I'm going to change their life. Even when it, none of it makes sense. or what, It's me, and I'm going to do it. 
it's amazing that God would ever do this. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. It's crazy, isn't it? We could just insert our culture. Today's culture, we could just insert them right there. It's the same thing, right? But to those called by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentiles, that's us right here, church. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. That is so awesome, man. <laughs> Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. So here's the bottom line. God chooses to use the weak and the ignorant and not so head of the class, and not so wealthy and influential. God said, I've chosen those. So when we look at the Bible characters, we see what God has done, we see individuals, and we lift them up, and we think about them as these spiritual giants. I want you to hear me, church, because the truth of the matter is God says, I choose those that are down here so that I can be seen up here. And so when I view myself down here, like many of us, most of us, all of us have done if we're not doing, God's saying, you're who I'm looking for. I want to do something through you because I want the world to know that I'm real. So God himself is trying, yeah, man, amen to that. This is how God is seen. So, as we read through Hebrews 11, and then we add on those in the New Testament and the names that are there, I want to just go through some of the names, not all of them, of those that we would find in that 11th chapter and just talk about them for a few moments, okay? So the first name we would come to is Abraham. So, you know, all of you that are seniors here, um, I want you to hear me. Because our culture here in the United States says you have no value, you've served your purpose, and we are working out a way to make it legal for you to just take a shot and end your life because what's the purpose in going on if you feel a little uncomfortable, you're like suffering with something, just go ahead and leave gracefully because you've served your time and we don't need you and you really don't need to be around. That's how the world is looking at seniors. And that is coming and growing in our culture. And unless we see a revival, that'll be the normal and not too many years in the future. Hear me. Abraham was a senior citizen when he received the call from God. He was not the man of God, or I should say he was not the receiver of the promise and the covenant from God until he was a senior and he was called by God as a senior because he faithfully lived a daily life of God. 
Jacob. He was named Jacob, and his name means deceiver. <laughs> he cheated his own brother out of the birthright. He deceived his father to receive a blessing. And God called that guy Jacob, the deceiver, the liar, the cheater, to become the father of a nation. And so when Jacob met with God and God changed him, God said, you will no longer be called Jacob. That's not who you are. That's who you were. You will now be called Israel. I'm giving you a new name, a new identity. I'm giving you a new start. Isn't God awesome? Sarah. What about Sarah? She heard a message from God. Sarah was a senior citizen. She heard a messenger from God say, Abraham, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. And she started laughing out loud. <laughs> right. I'm an old lady and I'm going to have a baby. She laughed at God's messenger. She laughed at God's promise. And God said, you will. And the child that was born with her was named Isaac, which means laughter. As God always gets the last laugh. Joseph, he was a former inmate. We have any of those in here? A former inmate, a slave, kicked out of his own house and his own family. God used him to save a nation. Moses, church, another senior. What's up with this? Moses was a senior citizen when God called him. Not only was he a senior citizen, but he had a history and he had a record. He had been a murderer. He suffered with very low self-esteem and self-worth. We're going to visit his encounter with God in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 for just a moment. In that moment where many of us have seen, read, heard about this, and we, in a good way, look at Moses as one of the greatest prophets of all, and he was. Let's, let's look at Moses as a prime suspect today for us. When God meets him in the fiery burning bush and calls him over, God speaks to him, and God gives this incredible message. I'm about to do something amazing. I'm going to do what I promised I would do, and it's going to happen now. God spills out this incredible vision and says to Moses, I'm about to lead my people out. I'm going to humble Pharaoh. He's the world empire leader. He thinks he's God. I'm not only going to reveal to him that he's not God, and I'm going to bring his nation to their knees, but I'm going to lift up my people and lead them out as a nation. And not only that, but I'm going to let the whole world know that I am God. I mean, this is incredible stuff. But it comes to this critical moment when we hear the words, God's about to do something, there's a move of God happening. Have you heard me, church? God's doing something. God's moving. God's given a vision. God's got a plan. God's at work. And then it comes to this moment, right here from Exodus 3, as God is revealing that incredible vision to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Hello, church. It's not them. It's not someone. It's us. 
We want God to do something. We want culture to change. We want the political scene to change. We want the schools to change. We want the judicial system to change. And God's saying, I want it to change. Go do it. And we're like, come on, God, do something. God, do something. Here's our response. Moses is mirroring us right here. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You see how we begin to make excuses? Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I know my past. I killed somebody. I ran. I I don't even feel good about who I am. Who am I to go and do this great thing for you? Okay. Let's revisit that for just a moment. God gave the plan that he was about to do. God said, I'm going to do this. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, so the responsibility is on God, not on Moses. Moses is simply the vessel God chooses to use. Hello? Let's keep going then. God gives, by the way, God doesn't answer Moses' questions right there. He doesn't say, oh, let me help you. I feel sorry for your self-esteem and self-worth. Let me, Moses, you're a good boy. Let me, you, you can go before Pharaoh. He'll like you. He doesn't do any of that. You know what God does? He increases the vision. God starts speaking about the incredible things he's about to do. Ignores Moses' self-devaluation and gives a greater vision and plan of revelation. So as God continues, Moses is hearing. And here's the next response from Moses in chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say that the Lord never appeared to you? Okay, so hey, follow this. First it's, who am I? Now, what if they... See, we got all kinds of excuses. What if they don't respond? What if they don't change? What if they don't? I, I'm going to look like a fool if I go, God called me. Who are you? God didn't leave. Uh, I don't want to be standing up there by myself, God. Okay, so does God say, it's okay, I'm going to let them know you're... No. Does he coddle them again and say, we're going to be okay. I want Read this self-help book and feel good about yourself. <laughs> and then I can use you. No. Not that I say you shouldn't read those. I'm just being sarcastic but looking at what God's doing. So here's God like, Moses, I'm going to do this. So check it out. God doesn't address that again. Here's what he says. What's that in your hand? Oh, it's a staff. Throw it down. Becomes a snake. Whoa. And it says Moses like, jump back like it's a snake. God said, pick it up. Pick it up. It becomes a stick. And he says, show me your hand. Put it in your coat. Pull it out all covered with leprosy. That was like a disease like cancer to us today. And his hand is covered with leprosy. God says, put it back in your shirt and pull it out. It's clean as can be. God's like, I'm the God of miracles. Yeah. What's God doing? He's saying, do you understand who's talking to you? You know, this conversation is on my side. I'm God. And so Moses is standing there 
listening to all this, watching God do his thing. And here's God, here's Moses responding back to God again. I, I think we can relate to this, and here he is. But Moses pleaded with God, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I have no gifts. I don't even know what my gifts are. I can't even have a conversation with someone and I'm stumbling over my own words. How can I be of any of use of God? Why do you think you can use me to accomplish anything, God? I can't even talk right. So we've gone from, who am I? What if they? To, I have no ability. I have no gifts. I don't even get my words out of my mouth, right? So God finally addresses Moses and his issues. You know what God says? Who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? I will put words in your mouth. I will speak through you. Here's what Moses says. Verse 13 in chapter 4 now. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. I mean, excuses are gone. God's already nailed everything. Now he's standing there with no excuses, knows who he's talking to, knows the power of God. Just do it with someone besides me. Church, last Sunday, God gave us a message to tell us it's time to grow up. Today, God is telling us this. Stop making excuses. Stop looking at your past and say, I'm not qualified. Stop screwing around with your life and start saying yes to God because God wants to do something amazing and we're stopping Him because we won't believe that God can use someone like us. God specializes in people like us. That's what He does. And the reason he does is because he's God. He doesn't want him to think it's us. He wants him to look at us and say, that's got to be God. That's for real. It's what the word of God says. So let's keep going. And he, I won't do that to everybody, so don't get nervous. You're not going to be here all day. But if we go on down that list, in, in seriously, that was the only one I'll do that much on. That if we go down that list in Hebrews 11, do you understand that, it, that there's a lady mentioned right here named Rahab who was a former prostitute? When you look into it, she had a house, which means she was like a madam of a brothel in Jericho. And in the moment where she heard about God and what God was about to do, she was like, I believe that. And, and I believe what God's about to do, and I'm about to change my life. And she became a believer in God, her life was transformed, she was saved, her family was saved, and her name is mentioned in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Then we read about Gideon, who was hiding in that little winepress, trying to keep his food from being stolen from him, and God shows up and says, Gideon, mighty warrior, and he's like... <laughs> Where have you been? That's what Gideon says to God. Where have you? I've heard about you. I've heard about your great stories in history. But where are you now? 
And God says, I'm here. And I'm about to do something great. And guess what? It's you. Isn't that awesome how God does that? And so then Gideon's like, ooh, this is God. And God's about to do something. And so then as we get a little further, like about Wednesday, <laughs> I think that was God. I, I think he's calling me. Hey, God, if that was really you, would you prove yourself to me? And God's like, here you go. Gideon gets up and God proves himself and the next day he's like, oh God, if I kind of screwed up because that really would happen naturally. So uh, would you prove it again tomorrow? <laughs> so Thursday when I get up, can I believe you? Yep, there's Thursday. Oh, it is God. Woo, that's great. I believe you, God, you're going to do this. Then God says, not only am I going to do that, Gideon, I'm going to do that through you and you have too big of an army. Send those guys home. I only want 300 of you to go against this mass army out there. And now Gideon, I love this part. God's like, I already know this guy's like afraid and he, he doubts a lot. So God instead sends a messenger and says, hey, Gideon, if you're still struggling with this, why don't you go down there and hide behind that bush by that tent right over there by the enemy? And guess what? Gideon went. That means he was scared and he was insecure. So Gideon goes down there with his uh, armor bearers. down there. I think his armor bearers with him. He's down there by the bush. He hears these guys in the tent. The dude's like, Man, I had a dream last night. There was this big rock that came down the hill and crushed the tents, and it was a devastation. And the guy goes, wow, you know what? That's Gideon coming with his army to destroy us. Gideon gets up, runs back to the top of the hill. God says, you ready now? <laughs> okay, I, I want to I say this to all you here. Here I am in the tent. God wants to do something amazing in your life. He's been telling you. He's been calling you. It's time you wake up and do it. Come on, church. How many times does he have to visit us? How many times does he have to show his hand? How many times does he have to firm himself and say, I'm God, here I am. And we keep going off making excuses. It's time to grow up, church. Hear what God is saying to us and believe that he can do something amazing even through me. Own that. I'll run out of time before I'm done, so I'm just going to have to hurry a little bit. Samuel, look, Samuel was raised in the church, literally lived in the church, being mentored by a priest. The priest himself, though, had screwed up majorly. He wasn't calling sin, sin. He wasn't raising his own family right, and God rejected him, and God was not in that place any longer. And so here's little Samuel being raised by a priest who had an office and a position, but not a relationship. And so in this mentorship role, Samuel knew how to do the stuff around the house of God, but guess what? He didn't even know God's voice. So when God said, Samuel, Samuel jumped up and ran into Eli and said, you called me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed. God says, Samuel, he jumps up and runs into Eli. You called me? Nope, go back to bed. Third time. Eli, as dumb as he was and as unspiritually fit as he was to hold the office, is like, oh, I bet that's God. <laughs> Samuel comes in and he tells him, like, next time you hear that voice, just say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And so Samuel hears the voice of God, responds to it, and begins an incredible relationship with God as a child delivering God's message to God's people. The prophetic words that came through that little boy came true. 
and God raised him up to be a mighty man of God, prophet and priest in Israel who was the spiritual leader of a nation. Church, as I speak to you about Samuel, this man who did not even know God's voice being raised in the church, but then heard it, knew it, and lived for him. It was that guy that God chose to anoint the next king of Israel. So let's talk about David. So here's Samuel coming to town, and he tells Jesse, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. Think about this for just a minute. Like, Samuel was the spiritual icon of the entire nation and everyone knew him. Everyone looked to him and looked to him as the voice of God. And so now Samuel says to Jesse, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Jesse does not even tell David to come in the house. Think about it. His own dad didn't even tell him, come on in, clean up, Samuel's coming. Instead, he had the other six guys get ready, got the house and the dinner ready, and Samuel came in, and God said, none of these boys, you got any more? Bring David in. The dirty shepherd boy runs in from the field. God says, that's the one. Just a boy, not even recognized by his own dad of someone that should be in the dinner time. And God uses this guy and calls him to be the greatest king in Israel's history. But let's talk about him for just a moment, and let's look at David for just a second. As David rises in power, goes through all these things that he goes through, trusting God, believing God with incredible faith, the author of the 23rd Psalm and many of the other Psalms, and here's David going along. God rises him up. He becomes a powerful king. Nations are falling all around him as he becomes the world leader and the empire that everyone looks to for strength, power, and amazement, and he totally screws up. From being the author of the 23rd Psalm, to becoming an adulterer and a murderer in the midst of the move of God. David is called out by the prophet Nathan as he has completely fallen into sin and he has violated God's covenant, God's relationship, and everything that is holy, screwed it up. And God sends the man of God and says, you're the man. And David repents. Psalm 51 is written as he repents of his brokenness before God. And church, I want you to hear me because some of you are living in brokenness and sin, having once known an amazing relationship with God, and you are so messed up because you screwed up that you're living in that brokenness. And I want you to know this amazing God is a forgiving, merciful, gracious God that lifted David. <laughs> lifted David out of the pits of despair forgave him, restored him. And it was after that brokenness that the Son of Promise was born through which the Savior Jesus would come. You have not screwed up so bad that God can't use you. Jeremiah was only a child when he began to prophesy for God. Peter denied Jesus three times, cursed and swore he didn't know him. Thomas had been with him in ministry three and a half years walking with Jesus, seeing the miracles, the raising of the dead, the friends that he'd lived with for all this time come and tell him, we have seen the Lord, he's alive. Nope, I'm not going to believe it. Church, I'm talking about people like me and you whom God later used after their brokenness was fixed by God to do incredible things for God, for the power of God, that now we look at and say, wow, they're great people of faith. They were people like me and you. Yeah. 
Paul destroyed the church. His mission in the name of God was to wipe out Christianity, imprisoning people that went to the church, tearing up churches, putting people to death, taking their finances and everything else. This was what Saul did until he met Jesus on the road. And Jesus said, what are you doing to me, Saul? You will no longer be Saul, but I am calling you Paul and you are changing what you're doing and you're going to work for me. And guess what he did? I want you to know God's got a call in your life. And this may be your moment where God says, I'm calling you. Stop screwing around. I'm going to borrow from the Hebrew writer in chapter 11 where he said, shall I go on? Look, church, I can keep going and going and going about this amazing God using people that are broken, screwed up, messed up, couldn't have, shouldn't have, God wouldn't have, and yet he did. Let's read those scriptures again real quickly because we're coming to the end. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Just let me, let me tell you, if God's doing anything through you, Give glory to God and shut up, man. He tells us right here, it's not about you. It's not about you. He's picked you because you can't. So that he can. Any pastor or anything that's arrogant and bragging about themselves, good Lord help us, man. Verse 30, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So since God has chosen, amen, man, that's great stuff, isn't it? So as God has already showed us that he uses people that are broken up, messed up, have histories, um, have issues, maybe even current ones. Why do we doubt his ability to use us? Why in the world are we still making excuses? And why are we using the word but at the end of that question? When I meet with people, it's always like when we ask them something like this, it's like, but, and then we go on and fill in the blank. But, and we go, stop it already. Get off your butt and believe. Okay? God is good. Why are we struggling with brokenness and sin in our present when God is the Redeemer, the Restorer, and He's the Forgiver of all things? I mean, come on, man. Some of us are struggling with sin in our life currently, and God is not okay with that. You need to confess it and get out of it. He loves you. God saves us. We can't save ourselves. God does a work through us. We can't do it for Him. The Holy Spirit is the power, the enablement, and the gifter to allow us to be able to do anything for the glory of God time we stop allowing doubt fear our past and whatever else you want to put in there as an excuse and step up and say yes lord for god's plan in our life church it's a yes lord it's no longer an excuse it's no longer a debate it's no longer a conversation with god telling him why you should do something else it's us and he's chosen us step into it are you forgiven 
Someone needs to go get our kids from Kids Church to bring them up to the lobby. Would you, Bryce, would you go help him and go get them, please? We want them to come up so you can go get them, but I'm not done yet. Are you forgiven? Have you asked God to forgive you through Jesus Christ? Have you personally received Jesus as your Savior? Have you done that? Okay, then the Holy Spirit has been given to you. The Holy Spirit is the empowerment of God, the revealer of the truth of God, the lead, the guide, the director of God's truth. He affirms the word of Christ. He is the one that gives us gifts and abilities beyond ourselves. He is God and he is at work and he is in us. The word of God says that we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. Jesus said we are the salt and the light of the earth. Church, if Tucson's going to be redeemed, it's because we have owned our call of God and we have seen ourselves as ministers of the gospel, as missionaries in Tucson, Arizona, and that we are going to carry the gospel to our coffee shops, to our homes, to our schools, to our systems, and we're going to be Christ in those communities. And that's how Tucson gets saved. It doesn't get saved because we have a great experience at church. It gets saved because we are living God in the presence of darkness, and we are faithful ambassadors of Christ, and we believe God is God, and that God has called us, and He is faithful, and He's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Church, we just got to walk with Him. Stop making excuses for why it can't and start. Here's the word of God. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We've received the same call and the same promise from God that Moses did. Check it out. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say bring them to you or call them to church. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The amazing presence and power of God will be with us when we go. Church, we need to live it. I got a minute here, so I got to share with you this incredible, cool thing God did. And it has nothing to do with Dave, because Dave was clueless happened this week. I just want to give you an illustration of how cool God is. He's amazing. I go out to the garage. I got to go do something. I'm coming. I'm going to go down speed. I think I was going to church. Don't even remember. I said I was going to the hospital. Go flip the cover off my bike and the ignition switches on and it's dead as can be. And I'm like, <laughs> I was thinking, how did that happen? I'm not sure. Don't know why it's like that. Plugged in the battery charger, covered the bike. Um, the chopper that was given to me that's out there, that beautiful machine. I just want everybody to know that was a gift from God to me. Um, so then I got to use Mark's bike. My brother's is in my garage, and it's like it's sitting there. So I'm like, I'm going to have to take his bike. He said I could use it, by the way. I'm not just taking off on it. <laughs> and so I, I got to use Mark's bike. So my chopper is a one-seater, and I'm going to take his street glide, which is two-seater. No big deal. I'm just driving down Speedway, and all of a sudden I'm sitting at Walmart, and I hear the sound of a car turning over. And it's not starting. And I look over, and I wave at him because he's two lines, lanes over. And he winds his window down and said, I ran out of gas. I said, I'll turn around, come back, and I'll, I'll get you, uh, take care of you. So I go up the road, turn around, come back, push him into this parking lot. And he's a young man. And I'm like, um, he goes, I need gas. I'm like, well, I don't have anything, but I can take you to the gas station. I couldn't have done that if I was on my bike. I go, jump on the back. Now, I just want to be clear. I said, you can hold my shoulders and make space. (laughs) 
So <laughs> I, there was a surrender moment just to have a guy ride behind me. But anyway, he's riding with his hands on my shoulders, and we're driving down Speedway, and I go, I'm Dave. And he says to me his name. I don't remember because it's a foreign name. And I said, hey, uh, do you go to church anywhere? He goes, no, I go to the mosque. I'm, uh, I'm a Muslim. And I said, well, you know, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And he goes, well, you know what? Uh, how about if we just say God loves us? I said, no, I want you to know Jesus is God, and he loves you. Amen. Now, look, I, I'm telling you something. Like, I pulled into the gas station, and uh, he changed the subject right after that word right there. But as he was getting off, he wanted to give me money. I said, I don't want money. I just want you to know God loves you, man, and Jesus is God. He gave me a fist pump and left. Now, look, here's the thing. I have no idea where that kid is, where he'll go, what's happening in his life. There was this one moment. See, I don't even know what the results will be, but God opened a door. Tell him that Jesus loves him. He may have never heard that in his life, but on the back of a motorcycle, driving down Speedway, he heard it. Yeah. No, I mean, I give God glory. That's awesome. What I'm trying to say to us, church, is see, it doesn't, it's like we don't have to do these amazing, great things where we're standing on, on the street corners and everybody in city drop, uh, the city drops to their knees. It's like just being faithful in the little things that God's asked us to do. And God will do the great things. It doesn't matter who Dave is. He'll probably never know who I am or what. Who cares? He knows he heard the name Jesus. He'll never forget that name. What are we going to do now? We can just go out of here and just have church and, yeah, whatever, and talk about it and go on with life. But I want you to know I firmly believe the message from God today is a prophetic word that God wants to change your life. And today marks an impact moment in the city of Tucson, and it's on us. Let's do it, church. Would you stand with me? Let's give God a yes, Lord. If you don't know Jesus, you need to. The world's lying to you. All the stuff they're trying to tell you about who God isn't, He is. And you have an opportunity to meet Him today, and this altar's open if you don't know Him. If you've been making excuses for everything God's asked you to do in your life, you need to repent. You do. And the altar's open for you to repent. Let's say yes to God together, and let's get out of here and be the church He died to make us, would we? Amen. Amen. Come on, the altar's open for you. You can come. Anybody who needs to come to the altar, it's always open for you, okay? I don't care how many times you're here or whatever. God's all about being with you and this incredible relationship with you. He loves you. It's not too late. Your sin's not too much. He loves you. Church, you're dismissed. God bless you. Have an amazing week, and let's see God move. Amen. Love you, brother. Love you, man. God bless you guys. Those of you that are praying, just stay right there. You pray with God and just ask Him for what He's doing, what He has planned. Love you guys. Excited about what He's doing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.